hello everyone and welcome back to the D&B Supply Show podcast. Hey, this is Matt Breckwald. Thank you for joining us again today. Well, we are in the midst of social distancing and the response to COVID-19, the coronavirus, whatever you want to call it. But we live out here in the West with so many open spaces, you'd wonder, well, what you know, what can we do in terms of open spaces? Are there actually restrictions on us going out onto our public ground? So today I am very honored to have on land Tawny, the president and CEO of Backcountry Hunters and Anglers, to kind of talk about all of this and to find out what's going out, out going on out there on our public land. So Land, thank you so much for coming on today. Uh, Matt, it's great to be back. All right. Well, I'm glad to speak with you again and and uh, really get a, enjoyed getting to know you and all of your staff and, and everybody at the at the rendezvous in Boise a couple years ago. That was a that was a good time. Uh, you know, I think that's that good, typical idea of that word rendezvous, bringing everybody together, having a good time, learning some things, swap, swapping some uh, wares and then just uh, throwing down, just you know, staying up late and swapping stories. So we did that in spades while you were there. And, uh, with the, you know, this year we're going to have it here in Missoula the first week of June. And, you know, instead of doing that, we decided to do that as a virtual uh, event and have seminars and storytellers. Um, and kind of interactive stuff that we're going to do the, that first week of June. Just stay tuned on that piece because it's going to be absolutely awesome. Okay. Well, I, so many things are going virtual right now. It's kind of becoming the new normal, but uh, I, I'm sure you're going to put something together. It's going to be great. Yeah, you know, I think that um, we've done a really good job with growing Rendezvous, and you never can replace that face-to-face and kind of what that energy that that just almost is combustible. I think we should have probably been doing some stuff online in conjunction with Rendezvous anyways. And so we're kind of being forced in this. And I think we'll come out, you know, smarter and, and better. And at least at this time, like finding a way to connect with our people. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's do this. I mean, you know, I live in Idaho uh, and, and our so much of our listening audience is in Idaho and in Oregon. And then, of course, we're all very adept to going out and enjoying our public lands and then you're up in missoula so same thing for you up in montana uh explain to us just really quick kind of refresh us on what backcountry hunters and anglers does yeah so we try to make sure that you have access uh, to public lands and waters and then the fish and wildlife habitat when you get there and so we work on you know uh, habitat projects and uh, access projects at a local level uh, to working with the states at the state legislative level and also with the state uh, fish and game agencies. And then we work all the way out in Washington, D.C. Um, and really our organization, I think, is different than a lot of folks um, you know, are used to in this kind of hunting and fishing kind of conservation world. That's just not like what we do. You're not the Ducks Unlimited of the world or the Elk Foundations or even the Mule Deer Foundation. What we're really working on mostly is policy and then kind of boots on the ground projects. So uh, that separates us, I guess, a little bit. Uh, one thing that we've been doing quite a bit of as of late as well is kind of in this R3 uh, realm, so the recruitment, retention, and reactivation of hunters. And we've been doing a lot of hunter hunting for sustainability programs where we, you know, look at folks that are, it's this weird word called, or term called adult onset hunting, which uh, I think <laughs> sounds like you have a disease. Um, but we've also been doing, you know, a bunch of seminars for them. These 20-something, 30-something that didn't grow up hunting and fishing. Now they really want to get into it, but they don't really know how. And so having, you know, those seminars, we've done some amazing ones uh, there in Idaho and Boise in particular. Uh, we've done a bunch of them here in Missoula. And, you know, I think we had a butchering clinic here in Missoula that had 120 people at it. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so highly, you know, lots of interest there, but that's kind of the gamut of what we do. But at the end of the day, I want to make sure you have access to public lands and waters and then the fish and all that have that when you get there. All right. Well, what is new at, at Backcountry Hunters and Anglers since I had the chance to speak with you and, and a lot of your folks back a couple of years ago? I mean, I think our growth continues, you know, to be uh, absolutely phenomenal. I think a couple of years ago, we were probably around 16,000 uh, members. Now we're over 40,000. Uh, we have chapters in 45 states, uh, two Canadian provinces, and one territory. So the growth continues. I think we've had some major successes, especially around the Land and Water Conservation Fund, which is the number one, I guess, program in the country. started in 1964. It comes from oil and gas um, revenue off the Gulf of Mexico and goes back to, I think it's been used in 99% of the counties. So it's used for things like fishing access sites. It's used to purchase land to inaccessible public land. It also pays for uh, city parks and swimming pools. And we were worked very hard to get permanently reauthorized and sunsetted. Uh, Congress said let it slip, and so we worked very hard with other partners and folks all across the country to push that over the edge. And uh, and now we're looking for full and dedicated funding. And I would say that you know before this whole shut this kind of you know virus hit, you know, and, and has had such an impact on us. Um, you know, the president had come out and he had, he had zeroed that out. It was usually around 400 million. Um, some senators from Montana and Colorado got together and went to the president. They said, this is our top tier priority. We have elections this year in November. We've got to get this bill over the edge. And so the president came out and as he does, he announced things by tweeting and he tweeted that Put a put a piece of legislation on my desk that has full and dedicated funding, so that's nine hundred million dollars uh, in perpetuity for this program. You know, we held the president accountable when he zeroed it out. We applauded him uh, when he came out and said he was ready to sign it, and then all this other stuff happened. So that one's in, I guess, uh, somewhat of a holding pattern right now. But I think that you know, as as we kind of get through this virus, it's going to be one of the first things that the, that they bring up when Congress starts doing regular business again. Well, uh, so you brought up kind of the topic of the day, which is COVID-19. How has that been impacting sportsmen, sportswomen? You know, I think it's, uh, we're in a really, you know, this is unprecedented times. And, you know, I think that, you know, there's a lot of unknowns about this. You know, I think the headlines change daily. I think there's different perspectives from the health officials. And so there's all these different regulations that are being put in place. Uh, I got a paddlefish tag here in Montana for the upper Missouri They've shut down the lower Missouri. They've shut down uh, the Yellowstone for paddle fishing just because of the congregation that happens. So all these things are happening. And I think the what we're trying to do is we're trying to encourage governors uh, to, to really um, make the best decisions for the people and, and more on a public health than anything. And, and so as these restrictions are being put in, you know, I think we look at those as temporary, but really, you know, looking to the experts on why they're doing these things and knowing that, you know, that again, you know, where I find my solace and I'm guessing where you find your solace. And so, you know, do what you can where you are, I think is what we've been telling people. And I'm lucky enough to, you know, live in Missoula, Montana and close to some national forests that I can go with my family on. A couple weekends ago, we went and floated the Bitterroot River mm-hmm. and fished. Um, but if, you know, for some reason you can't do that, um, either for restrictions or just your own kind of quarantine, you know, I think that that wind on the on the face and kind of sun on the neck and just like you know seeing the birds that are coming back right now and um it's just it's an opportunity to kind of get away from all of this that seems to be this constant noise and 
Um, for me, it's been very restorative, and, and uh, you know, at some point we'll come out of this. Yeah, it's important just to get outside and kind of generate some of that vitamin D just from having the sun on your skin, right? Absolutely. Now I'm looking out my window this morning, and I don't know about how, what happened to you guys in Idaho, but we got dumped on <laughs> oh, yeah? last night and into this morning. So we've got four inches of snow outside right now. <laughs> now it's supposed to be it's supposed to be sixty this weekend, you know. So we'll get out. Just wait five minutes, and the weather changes, right? Yeah, I lived up there. I remember what a uh, Montana spring is like. Down here in the Treasure Valley, we're getting rain, but uh, we're probably done with the snow till next next winter. So, what do you hear from your membership in terms of what people are doing to get through this pandemic? You know, I think I think there's some frustration that's out there for sure. You know, on, on some things being shut down and. Um, some seasons are being restricted on where people can go. So I think there's that piece. Um, but, you know, we're, I'm, I'm hearing tons and tons of stories. You know, lots of kids are home right now be, being homeschooled and, you know, part of their opportunities uh, for recess, I would say, or for uh, extended learning. Is, and, you know, I think ourselves, we went up into the National Forest and we built a fire and we used uh, headlines from the newspaper they were all focused around coronavirus and to watch my, you know, my nine year old and my 11 year old crumple up these headlines and throw them in there and then <laughs> light them on fire. Like I think there's those pieces, you know, I think that, um, you know, turkey hunting has started now. Mm-hmm. So there's a ton of people out turkey hunting, which is, you know, a great escape and, you know, definitely some social distancing. We have a, uh, uh, a virtual turkey uh, calling contest going on right now, which is pretty cool. Our members from all across the country are, sending in videos and but a lot of people are getting their kids involved and having them dress up like turkeys or, um, you know, do some of the calling themselves. And so I think that, you know, people are really trying to find, and I, I think that those funny ones in particular provided some levity. And so people are really looking, I think, for some opportunities to kind of forget. And so I'm just hearing, you know, again, like uh, turkey hunting or hopefully, you know, like as we look into, uh, you know, spring bear, that starts. And the people have the chances to get out. And again, I know that, you know, here in Montana, they're, they're shut down the out-of-state seasons for yeah. turkey and bear. And I, I hope that's a, you know, a very temporary thing. Um, one, because I think of what an impact that is to our economy. But two, you know, that's, that's, it helps and provides people opportunities to get outside. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, trying to listen to uh, really the, our elected officials and administrative officials who are charged with kind of the health side of this. But I've got people talking about like their bird list. They've never done a bird list, you know, and they're, and they're starting to do bird lists during this kind of like self quarantine and um, pretty cool, you know, seeing, seeing different things that maybe you don't necessarily always pay attention to. Yeah, absolutely. But so when you say it's people are doing a bird list, like they're going out and doing bird watching. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I think that like I've started a list like myself and I think, and I've heard a lot of other people that are doing this are just kind of like a bird list during this time. And so not necessarily going out and looking for different birds, but just noticing them. Right. And so like when I was on the river a couple of weeks ago, you know, we were seeing uh, a kingfisher, saw hooded meganser, common meganser, a uh, host of other species. And now we're keeping this list and my kids are into it. And, you know, I'm talking to people out in North Carolina, um, down in Arizona who are doing the same thing. And so it's uh, kind of a fun thing to share. Yeah. Now, you know, at a time like this, and and you're talking about getting out and hunting and looking at birds and things like that, why do you consider public lands uh, and waters important? I guess now more than ever. I mean, I think it it goes back to really that solace piece, right? Like trying to get away and really be immersed in that and be very present where you are at that point. Then everything kind of go away. And, you know, that opportunity 
is available to everyone. It doesn't matter, you know, if you if your parents had a lot of money. It doesn't matter um, if you you know barely have enough money uh, to buy food. Um, doesn't matter if you know, um, I guess what your background is and who you're connected to. Like like public lands and public waters are this even playing field, and there couldn't really be anything I think more democratic and. You know, we're unique in the world in our system here in uh, the United States, and there's some other places like Canada that come pretty close or New Zealand, but really our public land is unique. And so mm -hmm. I think that's you know, something to revel in. Um, and none of that happened by accident. You know, it was, it was folks that stood up and said, we want to make sure that the people have opportunities. Like with stuff I was talking about today, like with the Land and Water Conservation Fund, where we can actually grow that public estate, um, you know, we this is a, an experiment and it's probably 130, 140 years old. Um, and, and it's up to us to carry that on. And so these public lands, you know, I, 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 again, I don't think there's anything more American than our public lands and public waters. Now you were mentioning a, a moment ago, some of the closures on a couple of the rivers up there in Montana in your circles with the, with the different people in government and the experts you talk to uh, closures like that, that are related to COVID-19. Why, how, what are they worried about there? Are they worried about social distancing if people are out on the on the rivers or fishing or floating or something like that? Yeah, so I think the the ones you know for the the turkey and the bear hunting and closing that down for out of staters, I think that was more of like trying to restrict the movement of the virus, right, from other hotspots potentially in the country. Okay. You know, we've had had seven deaths. Montana, and I think there's about four people that have it here in Montana. So trying to restrict that, I think, movement of the virus is key on the out-of-state stuff. Paddle fishing, uh, paddle fishing, and I again, I just got my first tag this year. I've not done it, um, but especially on the lower uh, Missouri and the Yellowstone, there's these like really hot spots, like at bridges, mm -hmm. where you have people standing shoulder to shoulder fishing. Okay. And so, and again, I haven't done it, so this is, I'm kind of excited about it, but I think they're trying to just restrict that, um, that congregation of people. And again, that's, they haven't said it's going to be for the whole season, but they're, they've definitely made that declaration for now. Okay. Now you mentioned earlier the, the virtual turkey calling. What other virtual things do you have going on to engage folks during this shutdown? Yeah, so um, we did a film with Project Upland. Um, called Public Grouse, which is a film about grouse hunting all over the United States, from Alaska to Montana to Wyoming, uh, out to North Carolina, and all these, this, this grouse hunting film. And so we're going to release that the first part of May. So stay tuned on that piece. And then I talked about our rendezvous, which is probably like one of the biggest things that we're going to be doing. And again, we'll have uh, one of our you know, kind of uh, signature events is this storytelling that we do with Filson. And we'll be doing that. I think we talked today in that meeting right before I jumped on the phone about 13 different storytellers. We already had a bunch of folks set up that were going to do it live at our rendezvous, but now we'll be able to extend that to expand that to six more. Um, and then we'll be doing seminars, you know, and I think the, I want to, we're not totally confirmed there yet just because we're, we made those decisions today and now we got to go reach out to those people to make sure they still can do them that sure. we're already doing. But uh, some of the top, you know, people in the industry, and having that ability to be able to not only learn from them, but also interact with them uh, is going to be a key to all that. And, and we'll be having some fun, too. Um, we're going to start a uh, fly tying on Fridays uh, that we'll have different folks uh, teaching different flies and maybe even doing some competitions. Uh, we've talked about doing some blindfolded, like, San Juan worm tying <laughs> and see how that goes. But that's actually one of the good things that's going to come out of this 
it's just you know learning different ways to communicate with people um and you know whether that's you know during a time we're all inside or you know going forward so mm-hmm. i hope that we come out of this a lot smarter in that space yeah you know it'll be interesting like you were talking about the seminars uh rather than being in person if people are watching them virtually, they can be probably typing in questions and saying, oh, you just brought this up and getting those things kind of on the record. It, it'll make it a kind of a different dynamic. Absolutely. I would think. And, you know, and I think we'll have the, both the live version where you're able to really definitely interact. And then those things will live online, you know, in perpetuity after mm-hmm. that. And so even if you couldn't sit, sit down right then, you know, you can watch it and learn. But um, that interactive piece, I think, is super important. Um, and then we'll be doing like giveaways and stuff during that as well, which will be interesting on you know, we'll also be, you know, during our seminars, we'll be giving away uh, door prizes from all of our corporate partners. And so I think that's another way that those things will be interactive and something that's new on this like digital space um, that we haven't tried before. Okay. Well, are there, are there any other policy issues other than what you've already mentioned that you're kind of tracking or looking are, at these days? You know, I think that I would go back to, uh, there's, you know, there's the land and water conservation fund that I talked about earlier. Um, coupled with that bill is also, $13 billion for uh, maintenance backlog on our public lands. So our public lands you know, have not been given the appropriate funding over the last probably two decades. Mm-hmm. So there's, you know, a lot of, um, you know, maintenance that needs to be done, backlog of maintenance. And so that bill coupled, so it's you know, money for U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, Forest Service, Bureau of Land Management, National Parks. So that's a piece that we're super excited about. And then there's one that we've been working on that, uh, that isn't getting as much attention, but I think is really important. And it's called the Recovering America's Wildlife Act. And Recovering America's Wildlife Act, basically, it's, it's funded similar, at least it's structured similar to the Land and Water Conservation Fund. So taking money from new kind of extraction on public land and into a fund that funds uh, some non-game species. And so, you know, non-game species, there's not much known about them um, when they are known. A lot of times, you know, they, they get put on the endangered species list and there's much more regulations and money there. And so the idea is like an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. So this money would go to state agencies to um, help study and improve habitat, you know, for these lesser known species. And at the same time, you know, those are species that, that are sharing the same habitats, you know, on the critters that we like to, you know, chase around, whether mm-hmm. that's elk, deer, um, you know, upland birds, you know, waterfowl, like all these species share the kind of same habitat. So it'd be extra money for conservation. So I think that's a, that's a huge one for us. Um, and then the last one, I guess I would mention that I'm really, really, really excited about is that uh, for the last two or three years, we've had uh, folks coming to us and asking us to start a military program. Uh, okay. There was folks that when they, when we first started BHA that were part of the military and, you know, we've got a couple of board members that are military and then tons of members. And so we've been working to develop this program and calling it our armed forces initiative. And, and so we developed that program over the last probably a year and a half, two years. And then I'm um, happy to announce that we just hired somebody um, that will start um, in the middle of June. And uh, basically, you know, be working with veterans. When you think about active duty, they're going to all these different places. Let's say you grew up in Montana and all of a sudden you're stationed in Virginia. Yeah. Like, what are the rules and regulations there? Like, you know, what are the customs? Like, who, like, connecting them to people on the ground? So there's that piece. Um, there's also the second piece where you're in the military, you know how to shoot guns, you've never hunted at all in your life, and you become one of those adult onset hunters. Like, how do you do that? And so um, those two pieces, and then obviously connecting uh, the veteran community 
um, and providing them opportunities to kind of continue to uh, uh, be a part of that military community and give back. I mean, I think that, you know, the, the service, you know, that really is um, what our military provide is, you know, that doesn't stop when they um, retire from active duty. And so they want to continue to kind of be in that space. And so that's where that comes from. I'm again, like stay tuned on that piece. Well, what else do we need to know? This has been a great catch up and lots of new stuff going on, but before we wrap it up, what else do we need to know, Lan? I mean, I think I would just end, you know, with some of the stuff that we've already talked about is that no matter where you are, if you have restrictions, or if you don't, you know, do what you can to get outside. Be reminded of kind of what the great outdoors provides you, um, both in your, I think, mental health and your physical health. And so I would leave people with that as a, you know, no matter what you can do, uh, get outside and, um, you know, from walking around uh, uh, the block to, you know, burning a fire in the woods, I encourage people to get out. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you coming on. Everybody, for more information, you can go to backcountryhunters.org. Find out all about land and everything that all the great stuff going on there at the Backcountry Hunters and Anglers. Thank you so much for coming on today, Land. Matt, thanks so much for having me back. All right, everybody. For Land Tawny, this is Matt Breckwald. And until next time, keep enjoying your rural lifestyle. Thanks, everyone.